right, welcome everybody to the RF Generation Collector Cast. This is episode 53. And, you, you know, I'm a bit shocked at this point in time. We've managed to do this like when we plan to do things. We're, we're third time in a row now. It's <laughs> so, the longest we stuck to schedule. Yeah. Ever. I know. We're, we're back to precedented times. Don't, 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 uh, don't get your hopes up. It'll be forever, <laughs> but, you know, we're doing all right. Uh, but this is a, you know, we've, as you've kind of seen from our new format, where we've been doing the round robin in terms of hosting. And so it's back to good old me to host this episode. And um, the way we've been doing it is we've kind of been coming up with some things that we like to talk about when it's our turn. And uh, for my turn, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different and new. So from our listeners, I would really appreciate if you take a minute when this is all over and I'll, I'll kind of talk to you at the end, but I want some feedback. Let us know what you think, Big if you time. like this, yeah. if you want more of it. Um, but we'll get into that when we get to the topic section. But before that, uh, hey guys, it's been two weeks. Oh, I'm going to start with Bill. Bill, what's new and what's going on in your world? Uh, why, thank you. Uh, so what's new? Um, I don't remember, uh, I don't think I had my little Lego acquisition the last time we recorded. Um, so uh, as I might have mentioned before, um, we've kind of been bit by the Lego bug in our house. Um, I have uh, three boys, but two that are old enough uh, for Legos. Uh, they're four and six. And um, we we bought like a big um, uh, one of the they call it the the, the ultimate collector series uh, sets one of the Star Wars sets the A wing that came out on May fourth and we loved it it was a huge build it was awesome I got it on the back shelf over there love it so I started looking up like what other you know kind of big cool builds are there and it turns out they don't release the Star Wars ones that often it's like one a year maybe one every other year and they they kind of skyrocket in price you know on the secondary market so we started looking around what else is cool and I was like ooh this the the 1989 batmobile it's a big set and it's super detailed and it's awesome i've always loved that uh, that design um but it's 250 dollars and i'm like well you know maybe let's not you know spend 300 dollars on legos like right after you know spending you know the money on this other lego set um but someone told me about the um there's a subreddit called lego raffles and i didn't realize there's a lot of raffle uh subreddits there's you know there's ones for knives and ones for you know yeah, just like uh, it, it's weird, but like there's all sorts of different ones. Knives just popped in my head. Um, <laughs> that's the only one. I, yeah, besides Lego, I think of. So basically, you, you go to the, so, so you go to the site and you go to the subreddit, and they'll schedule you know like one or two raffles a day, and it'll be. And the cool thing is they don't let anyone price gouge. So uh, whoever's raffling it, it has to be the retail price of the unit if it's still like a a, a, a set you can get. And the six-month average on the secondary market, if it's a, a retired set, so the Batmobile is still around, so it retails for 250, and then it's plus the maximum shipping cost in the in the country where the shippers willing to go to. So basically, they add that up, so it's like you know like 380 or whatever the the total is, and then they split that into you know x number of spots. So when the raffle goes live, you just say okay give me five spots at two bucks a piece, right? So then like there's your, uh, then you have to PayPal the person right away. When all the spots are done, they randomly pull a name and you know, you win a thing. So I heard about this and like, I started dabbling in it. Like I threw a buck in here and two bucks in there. I did probably like five or 10 of these raffles, not winning anything. And I'm like, all right, this is probably a bad idea. <laughs> I'm just, you know, playing scratch off tickets here, right? So... Um, a big one came up. It was a Batmobile. It was like a $300, like big, like roller coaster set and like a couple of little other small pieces. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do this one. Cause it's like a big set. And I only got one ticket, but it was a $10 ticket. So it's kind of expensive the way the raffles go. So I got it. 
and I won. And, you know, I'm one of those people, I never win anything. I've been at, you know, 50-50 drawings and I've raffle tickets everywhere. So I won this set and I was so thrilled about it. I bugged you guys on the Slack and, and all other stuff. So anyway, so it shows up and we built the Batmobile and the Batmobile is amazing. And the kids, like every day they go to it. And it's so cool because like I thought it was just going to be the Batmobile, but it kind of comes on. There's this uh, center like turntable that it mounts on so you can just like spin it around like oh, almost no like way. a model, like a museum piece. So where it has been since it's been finished is right in the middle of the dining room table. <laughs> so we eat dinner around it. <laughs> we we visit. We like talk about how was your day while spinning the Batmobile. You, you turn the back, um, you know, like the part where like the flame comes out, like the afterburner almost in the yeah. back center of it. You spin that thing clockwise and like the two like Gatling machine guns rise out of the uh, of the body and like pop the uh, these things off. The cockpit opens full of detail. So, yeah, it, it has not helped us, you know, the Lego bug that's infected the family. There's another raffle that's coming up tomorrow. I'm not going to talk about it, but. I'm hopefully not going to become consumed with, you know, this gambling uh, that's uh, yeah. kind of taken over. But, yeah, so that's uh, that's one exciting thing that's been happening uh, uh, in my world. So what world does since Sarah then. think? What does Sarah think about these Legos? Hon- honestly, she's pretty cool with it. Like she because okay. because a lot of because like the kids, um you know, we like to encourage them to be creative and, and uh, you know, do things other than they really love Minecraft, which I love that they love, but sometimes they get a little too fixated just on games in general. And we have to say, okay, you know, let's, let's pull the power plug. Let's take a break. Um, and we have, I mean, I can't, I could, I couldn't turn the camera, but there's like a whole, it looks like Lego. It's not Lego Minecraft sets, but it looks like they are building with Legos the same way they would build in Minecraft. So Sarah loves that I can have the Batmobile and the kids can like help me Oh, do one or two steps. And then they're like, Oh, I, this gives me an idea for my creation, and then they run over to the Lego creation area. So, so she's nice. cool with it. Um, I think if I was spending money on retail Lego sets, it might be different. Um, and I'm keeping a spreadsheet of like, you know, this is what I've spent, and this is the value of what I've won so far. So if it ever starts to get like too close for comfort, we can say, okay, let's go so back are to. You, uh... Uh... Are you going to be like, uh, what is it, like President Business or whatever? Like, yeah. Like, oh, can't touch these. These yeah. are off limits. This is Daddy's Magic Legos. Well, it's funny because the idea, you know, like the, the thought definitely comes into my head, you know, because we, we built the A-Wing together and it's like up on the shelf. And Daddy's like, and sorry, uh, uh, Callahan's like, Daddy, can I play with the A-Wing? I'm like, well, son, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like. Well, he well, needs to know said, who would win in a fight, an A-Wing or a Batmobile. Yeah, yeah that, that, I mean, it, that is a huge point. Huge <laughs> points, uh, and that worries me for the upcoming uh, conversation we're having. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, so I, I had to explain to him, All right, listen, buddy, I said, Legos are, are kind of cool. They're, at the same time, they're toys, but you can also make a model out of them. So you know what a model is? So, yeah, a model is something that you put together with detail, and it's really cool to look at but also toys can be played with. So I said, we, you kind of have to walk that line of this is a model that we don't want to destroy, but we also want to be able to play with it. So it's one of those things where we say, when daddy's around, you can play <laughs> with that. It's kind of like the comic books. Like now that the boys like know who Batman is like, daddy, I want to read your Batman books. And I'm like, I want that too, but I don't want like peanut butter all over my Batman <laughs> graphic novels, you know? So it's like, we can read those when daddy's around. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that's the, the Lego portion. Um, I also had a couple notes on here and just, uh, 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 on the gaming side of things. Um, so I played a ton of destiny right when the new uh, season came out, 
mainly due to a power glitch where you could kind of get like um not infinite but like a very very steady stream of powerful items which help boost your power level up um so i did a bunch of that there was an afk uh farm uh, where basically you could just leave the game running and come back in a while and get a bunch of items that would increase your power until they patch that uh and now i'm just kind of playing it every couple of days and um, it's not that it's stale for me because it's still really enjoyable. It's just I my play schedule is so sporadic. I used to play with clan guys at kind of set times. And now I just kind of play when I have the 10 minutes or the 15 minutes. So it's just most of what I'm doing in the game is solo. And it's a way different game to play solo than it is to play with like a group of three or six guys. Um, so it's just a little bit of a different situation in the Destiny world, but still fun. Um, I think I mentioned my Grand Theft Auto 5 frustrations and... I actually booted that game back up and I was like, all right, like, let me just give it a try real quick. So I booted it up. I got into the world. I like, I saw like a blip on my radar nearby. I'm like, okay, let me go to this uh, side quest or story mission, whatever it was. And it engaged me in the mission. I, it's okay, go beat up this guy. So I walked up to the guy and I beat him up until he fell down. And then I was like level four wanted. And I'm like, well, I didn't know I was going to get level four wanted, but okay, I guess that's the mission. So it just bothered me. I was like, dude, every mission you just go off to beat up a guy or kill a guy and then just escape the cops. So I I got on the run from the cops and then the cops killed me. Uh, and I was like, all right, you know what? And it was one of those like, turn the Nintendo off, pull the cartridge out, throw it across the room. So I kind of rage quit uh, GTA five and I don't, I don't plan on, on going back uh, uh, with destiny in the queue right here. And I just wanted to mention um, I bought outer wilds again uh, it uh, was finally released on Steam. Um, I didn't own it on PC. I only had it on Xbox. And it was kind of a... I told my son I was buying it for him, but I was really buying it for everybody. Um, one of my sons was playing uh, Minecraft on the Xbox. My other son really, really wanted to play Outer Wilds. I said, well, we don't, you know, we only have it on the Xbox. We don't have it on the computer. And he says, buy it on the computer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have Outer Wilds on the computer now, which is great, um, and I love how much the kids love Outer Wilds. And the uh, the vinyl, remember when we talked about soundtracks, is that that was my number one wanted vinyl, and since our last recording, <laughs> because of us, the <laughs> vinyl was announced, so it was sold by Limited Run Games, and I Am 8-Bit also sold, uh, uh, sold it uh, through distribution, so that's coming out, they said, third quarter of this year, so... Yeah, it's, I mean, now that I read it all out loud, it's pretty eventful a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Sounds like it. Well, good. Well, how about you, Kelsey? What's new? Um, since last time, they had the EA Play, which uh, I watched uh, an hour after it aired. And for a show without any sports games really in it, there was like two minutes of sports. It was really boring. But I really wanted to see some more about the new Star Wars Squadrons which looks awesome and they showed a bunch there and i, I was really worried with that first trailer because it just looked like a 5v5 multiplayer thing um, but they clarified that there's single player campaign and it looks really awesome um i'm i'm pretty excited to get it and it's like 40 dollar price point when it comes out at least for you guys probably be 50 55 up here um so i'm probably gonna get that this year i'd imagine it looks awesome um and then i'm I'm really excited there's a new skate game, but that was the worst announcement for a new skate game I have could have possibly imagined. Just so terrible. Just two dudes talking about like, hey, you want a skate game? We're going to make a skate game. They didn't <laughs> Not show even a logo. literally anything about it. Yeah. yeah. We know more about Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. We Seriously. Do. Yeah. So that's the only news stuff. Uh, I've, I beat 
Dragon Warrior 3, like the day after we recorded last time, I think I mentioned mm-hmm. I was pretty close to the end, uh, which that game took me like two to three weeks to finish. Mm-hmm. very long. Um, so I've been excited to dig into other NES games finally. Uh, so I played through the Goonies 2, Tecmo Baseball, uh, Where in Time is Carmen San Diego, which was another pretty long one, but I just finished that a couple days ago. I started Baseball Simulator 1.000 this morning, which is really fun. I've never played it before. Yes, and it is. you can do all these like really wacky pitches and hits and stuff, all these crazy power-ups. You can like run up the wall if it's if it's about to be a home run in your fielding and to try and catch it. And you can do uh you can jump like 50 feet in the air and try and catch the ball in some modes. Like there's some really <laughs> interesting mechanics in that game. Uh having a blast with it. Um, and I downloaded Pokemon Smile on my phone. I don't know if you hmm. guys were aware of that. No, is that new? Yeah, it just came out like oh. within the last week. It's uh, an app where you see yourself um, brushing your teeth, at, like literally in the bathroom brushing your teeth, and you get like a little Pokemon hat on your head, and it's like telling you which area of your mouth to hit, and you're trying to uh, kill Pokemon that are like plaque monsters in your mouth. And then you throw a Pokeball at the end to catch them. And if you did good enough, you can catch this Pokemon and it adds new features to the game next time. So my kids have been like super excited, like middle of the day, two o'clock when we never really are not brushing your teeth. They're like, dad, we need to go brush like right now. Try it, Bill. I see you see something. Turn looks good. Sounds l- good. L- little sidebar. We recently introduced mouthwash to the kids and they have like this like training mouthwash. Um, and it's amazing because it's like a, you know, it's a bottle and it's got like the, like the pump top that has a little mm. cup in it. Yeah. And it's, um, it's like orange. So it, the flavor is like orange creamsicle, but like the pump top is BB eight. So That's like funny. you pump BB eight <laughs> for the mouthwash and Cameron, loves the taste of this stuff so much that we have had to hide the mouthwash <laughs> because like five times a day like i'm like sarah's like he's in there doing the mouthwash again and I, I got home like early one day and i'm i'm like i forget like she was telling me prepare me to brush her teeth later and she's like oh yeah like the mouthwash is underneath the sink and like five minutes later i find him like hiding in a corner like doing, <laughs> doing the mouthwash and he's not drinking it he's just like swishing it around his mouth and spitting it out <laughs> dude you have to wait till after we brush and floss your teeth but if i introduce a pokemon game into the toothbrush routine i think that could be uh one extra uh like a level up yeah I, uh... he's either gonna have like the best teeth in the world or like little nubs yeah right down. <laughs> yeah thankfully <laughs> thankfully they're still baby teeth but we definitely want to get those good habits uh early yeah, yeah. No, i like both my four-year-old and my 12-year-old super into it and having a good time mm. with that pokemon yeah, smile yeah I'm gonna market. Uh, I'm gonna market eight, dude. Cool. Um, what else happened? Oh, I, I got a pickup finally. I haven't picked up any Ooh. new games in a while. I got some Turbo CD games in, and, and I know two of them don't sound very exciting, but I'm actually kind of excited about them. But I got John Madden Duo, which is like a big double case, and it's got like a, it's got your regular manual, and then it's got like a fold out thing that's got all the different plays you can do. Um, I got Sherlock uh, Consulting Agent Volume Two. As I've had volume one forever. And the bigger one I got was Camp California, which is doesn't come up for sale super often. Um, it's like a really weird, like kind of surfer bear game. Uh, and it's got a, a bunch of Beach Boys music in it. So I'm pretty excited to try that out and see if it's decent. Um, and the weirdest thing in the last week, I started working at my old store that I used to own as like oh. a low level employee now. <laughs> 
because they are moving locations. So I reached out to them. I said, hey, uh, looking for some part-time work. If you guys need, you know, painting and sanding, like whatever, Mm. like let me know. And he's like, do it. So I've already had three shifts where I've just been like sanding, filling holes, painting the the new location, getting it ready to move into. So in the next month, I should be doing more of that and getting the place ready to, to move and be nice and shiny we'll work for games is that kind of <laughs> yeah, i'm on the payroll for the first time in my life when i owned the store i never actually put myself on the payroll but uh, and and the guys that like i hired and trained uh that were my <laughs> underlings are now my bosses so it's kind That's of awesome. neat, neat experience uh, it's a small world right yeah uh, well good deal good deal yeah, let me know if they have any uh, big box pc games always need to get them out of here somehow <laughs> i know right <laughs> when are they gonna hook me up with that neo geo <laughs> i gotta dig around and find that uh, playstation tv for you i think i thought sean wanted dips on that one so I give think... him first crack at it okay Wasn't if, if there he doesn't something... want it then hit yeah, me up speaking of neo um uh just made me think of wasn't there something on limited run that was like a neo geo kind of bundle package or was samurai it the soundtrack showdown. yeah the samurai showdown bundle yep any interest they, in that they, for you they guys done or something metal slug recently too i think mm. no i think if i if i end up getting neo geo i'll probably just try to pool my money for uh, a console and a, a really nice flash cart mm. that's probably gonna sure. be maybe mm. pick up one or two cheap games or something but gotcha anyway um <clears throat> For my thing, I do have to step off camera quick because I was just cleaning my room. I forgot I moved the thing that I was going to talk about. <laughs> and it, it's important because we're on camera. So that's one of the first things I want to do is a thank you. And so um, Zag Norch from RF Generation sent out. hope everybody can see these. Whoa. I can't see myself. See the red one. There's these little <laughs> Put them in front of your shirt. On, yeah, those Zaxxon, are on uh, point. They're like these little point value fold out cards. And so um, they're just little handouts. So they, they tell you a little bit about zaxxon the game and so one of them is a space pilot on the front the other one says combat ace but they're pretty much the same thing they're just these little sega gremlin kind of gives you some information about the game so that was just funny he just sent me a message one time he's like hey i've got these i got a surprise or you know can i send these to you and i said yeah mm-hmm. so that's pretty awesome it's, it's pretty cool thank you yeah. he's, he's about awesome dude and i've had that happen before too you just get like a message out of the blue like yo confirm the address and uh he does the uh, the not so secret santa and uh gotten some really cool stuff from him over the years he, he sent me like a like a just a big like a hockey skate like knitted <laughs> like crocheted christmas stocking <laughs> it was so cool um i was actually out in, in his neck of the woods for business a couple of years back we we couldn't find the time to meet up but uh, yeah super cool dude a long time uh, member of the site so good to see uh zag uh, throwing you some love nice. yeah yeah great guy and yeah he's sent me some things before so i you know that's i think it was from you know uh earlier this year there was the the um uh shooting game of the month right it was zaxxon so i think that was probably what brought that up um besides that news wise um i i must have been out of the loop because i didn't hear about this until like yesterday but uh, evidently, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2 is coming out. I like, just heard that today. Next month? Like on the 10th? I just heard it this minute. <laughs> okay, you were this years old. Yeah. You found out. I was today years old, yep. Uh, yeah, so uh, apparently on July 10th, 
uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2 from Inti Creates comes out. So, mm. and it's got like, um, I think it said like three new characters and you can still play the old characters. So, I mean, now there'll be like a cast of what, like six or seven characters mm. and it's got uh, co-op now. So you can play oh, two player co-op. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I enjoyed the first one. It's great. Um, I, like, yeah. I would have, re- I'd like, I never expected to see a sequel to that, but if I had to choose between Bloodstained or Curse of the Moon getting a sequel, I would have picked Curse of the Moon. So that's really <laughs> cool. Well, your wish is granted. Uh, it's come out, so make sure you you take a look at, at picking that up. I, who knows if you know there'll be a limited run for games or something version of that one. I have no mm. idea at some point in time. But um, anyway, yeah, I was really happy to see that. And I will tell you honestly, Bloodstained, like the original game, they keep continuing to put out new content mm. in that game. You know, how long now afterwards? And they're not charging for any of it. It was all a part of their Kickstarter, and they just keep putting it out there. So you know kudos to them it's it's really impressive for them to turn this Mm. stuff out um beyond that um like i've said before i've been doing a lot of reading uh in in quarantine land and uh one of the books that i picked up that i read that i would recommend it's it's called imagine that it's by ed smith and uh, ed smith um was the uh first uh black man in in game development so it's kind of his story and what i mean year, that's kind what of what year was that like that he was working it was in the 70s yeah. so he started at this uh small company it's kind of his story uh with this um system i think it was the mp1000 or whatever and uh and then it was later this imagination machine and i think we've got it on rfgen in the database but it's something i'd never really even heard or knew much about it was one of those very early systems didn't do very well in the market but uh, he worked there, and it's really, that's a small, I mean, it's a its a significant, but it's a small part of the story. It's really kind of about his whole life, and he's got a really incredible story to tell. So um, I really enjoyed it, and I would highly recommend, uh, again, that's Imagine That by Ed Smith. So mm. very, very good. Um, also, just been, as far as playing games go, it's been stuff. Um, so I've been, July, uh, there's two uh rf gen plague games that i'm interested in so the 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 playthrough is earthbound and then the the or the playcast and then the shoot the core cast guys are doing uh un squadron so both games that i want to play and so to get started uh with earthbound because time is tough and uh 16 bit rpgs can be a time sink i'd forgotten how much of a time sink they are so I've been getting back into playing Earthbound a little bit. Um, I forget how slow-moving some of these <laughs> games are. It's been a while since I've sat down and really gone through a 16-bit RPG. So I'm kind of getting back into that groove. Is this your um, first time with Earthbound? Or have you played it before? No, I've played it, but it's been like year, It's been like late 90s since okay. I've played it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I have some memory, you know, in there a little True. bit, but I don't remember like everything or where to go or anything else but i've got the player's guide so that pretty much takes care of that problem uh, i'd what i had forgotten is how much you have to deal with status effects in that game <laughs> i mean it's all the time you have to deal with status ailments and honestly i get kind of tired of it so <laughs> it's like ah, yeah. oh, really i gotta deal with this again 
Some sometimes uh, I've I've gone back and it's like it's always like a little bit of rose tinted glasses where you remember a game being so good and then you go back a little bit and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of see you know where the where the genre has evolved from here and like you know why it evolved from here. And I know it's not really a fair comparison, but when I got the Super NES Classic and I was like, okay, awesome, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna do Super Mario RPG because I never finished it, and I kind of had the same experience. Like I love the music, I love the charm, I love the view to it. But, you know, you get into, like, the woods, and it's just, like, 900 battles, uh, you know, against, like, Goombas, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, for, like, <laughs> yep. hours. And it's, yep, like, yep. you can kind of, with the classic, since it's, like, on the TV next to the computer here, I can kind of, like, multitask, and, like, because when you're just leveling up, it's just kind of, like, busy work. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it does kind of make you realize, you know, like, the, the new stuff that, uh, you know, that's kind of evolved from that. They, they've tried to get away from just like the mindless repetitive. There's still a grind, but it's they try to, it's, it, you know, they make an effort to have it be more mindful than mindless, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can see where it's evolved. And I think, you know, some of them at the vintage are better than other ones in terms of how they deal with that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are incredibly grindy. Um, this one isn't terrible but again it's the status the only thing where it's like you're constantly having to deal with oh crap now i have to deal right. with this or now crap i have to deal with that it's, can it's, i just punch the things and kill yeah. them i it's just want to do that it's been a long right? time since i played earthbound 2 but once you get to a certain level wasn't it when you hit random encounters that are low enough level you just like automatically win them yeah that happens with anything that's uh, significantly lower than right. your level so yeah at that point in time it just goes yep you won yeah um, so i felt like a certain point in that game all your complaints might not be as noticeable because you can just kind of blast through, especially if you just want to grind and you just go to a safe spot. Yeah, that's typically what I tend to do is um, I'll go to a new area. Oh, the guys are harder. Keep fighting them until it's basically like you won for free. Just about. And then you can go kill the boss. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's fine. Like I said, it's got ups and downs. It's just been a long time since I've played it. So it's the time sink. Mm. that i'd kind of like wow this is really taking me a lot longer than right. i thought it would have right. oh so so speaking of that um so kelsey remember um not long ago i told you that uh, uh final fantasy 9 came out on game pass yeah um so i popped it on and um i was i was pleased to find out that it also came out on game pass for windows and the progress sinks between the two of them which is like okay. like like my dream in a nutshell like just give me my progress on every platform everywhere so um i can't remember if i told you this but i I was like i was trying to get through the beginning section like it's a long you know kind of uh beginning where they make you go through this whole thing and there's the play and there's the and there's this like sword fight this like duel you got to do and it's okay like you're like kind of rated on it they're like oh like the noble like this many nobles were impressed the queen was not impressed do you want to try again and i'm like of course i want to try again i want to do it perfect (laughs) so i redid it a bunch of times and i was on the computer at the time i just had my laptop next to me so it's saying okay you know like x square triangle and I'm like, I'm on a keyboard. <laughs> Get an X so, at least. So, so I, yeah, so I had to like hook up the controller. So I did it. And, but I, through futzing around with the controller, like I hit like, you know, triggers or something. And uh, so I finally started getting into fights. And like the, a dude showed up and like I hit him once and it was 9999. And I was like, oh, this must be like an event battle or something, right? Because like they just want to push me through it. And then I get like once the whole beginning part's done, I get, you know, the, the spoiler alert, the crash ship. And you get out of it and you go like start fighting stuff. First fight again to hit 9999. Nine, nine, nine. Why is this happening? And I futz around with the controller a bit more. 
the triggers toggle like god mode. <laughs> so, if you just don't want to be grindy McGee, is this a just... foreshadowing of our upcoming discussion? No, but uh, uh, that's it. I should have. Uh, well, yes, it is. That's exactly <laughs> foreshadowing. But yeah, so like I, I had no idea that this, you know, kind of god mode was in there. But speaking about how you know the old games were so grindy. Um, it's interesting that they put this guy back out there and we're like, Hey, if you just want to experience the gameplay, the story, you know, go through, see all the areas, hear all the music, and you don't want to grind each area you get to for four hours, here's a way for you to do it. And Doesn't it's, it and it's like optional, a speed so. up mode too, where it just makes like, if you want to keep things regular, but move faster, don't they have that as uh, well? I, I've, I've seen that. Um, uh, I didn't, uh, see it specifically in nine, but yeah, I've definitely, um, and in a lot of games, or not a lot of games, but uh, in emulation, um, it's super prevalent where like the triggers are typically bound to fast forward. Right. I used to do that playing RBI baseball. Like I'd throw the pitch, and then if you were playing against a person, you would Speed wind up. And then, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> we got uh, Roger Clemens up here. So, uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I, I think there is a uh, besides just going into the menu and just like you know setting the the battle speed to maximum i think there is actually a way that you can just you know go through things uh uh, you know that might be a little bit more grindy quicker so more of a time saver yeah it's not a bad idea um quite honestly these days and i know uh, yeah they did that when they re-released final fantasy um 12 um they did that as well there was a speed up thing and everything that was there so yeah. It makes it a little more enjoyable. Yeah. Don't feel don't feel bad, Chris. Most people forget about Final Fantasy twelve. I didn't forget about that one. Okay. <laughs> um Okay, well I you know, I think that's kind of a what's new with us and what's going on right now. I did have another mm-hmm. news item I was telling Kelsey earlier. I have totally forgot it. So maybe next show I'll remember yeah. what it is if it's important. But maybe uh, do it we, wasn't important. Do we have any corrections from the last show? No? Okay. Well, but, you know, no one would have anything to correct for us. No corrections, not for this show. That's right. So let me talk about our main topic for this show. So um, we're going to, like I said earlier, we're going to do something a little new and different. And uh, so, you know, when I was sitting there thinking about this and I went, what could I do that would be the least amount of work for me? <laughs> <laughs> and the most amount of work for Krabby and, and Bill. Well, Seriously. I've come up with it. So um, what we're going to do, and hey, uh, you guys can't blame me on the little, you know, our idea document. Somebody else put debate in there. I didn't put that in there. <laughs> but yes, we're having our first uh, video game debate. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the format, and then we'll be ready to get things started. So um, we're going to have a pretty formal debate. And if you're not used to formal debates, um, the way that the format will be laid out is this. First, in just a moment, I'll go over what the statement is that is to be debated, and that's what Bill and Kelsey will be taking sides on. Uh, There will be a five-minute opening arguments for each one of them that will not be interrupted, so they'll have the whole five minutes to themselves to make their case for their side. And uh, I will be keeping pretty strict time. Now, I'm not going to literally chop them off in time, but you will hear a little noise, a little chime, <laughs> a little song will go off when it's been five minutes to let them know if they haven't already that it's time to wrap it up. But it's, I'm not going to be too mean about that one. So that will give each one of them a, t- a chance to kind of state an overview of their case. After that, we're going to have 40 minutes of moderated direct debate. So uh, again, I'll be playing the moderator role here. I may have questions for them to kind of help 
clarify their arguments or things that I may not think are clear or that need uh, uh, to be addressed. And they also can ask questions of one another to get clarification on their points. The idea behind all of this is not to be argumentative. It's simply to clarify your position as the best position. Um, at the end, there will also be closing arguments. So they'll each again have five minutes of closing arguments where they can, again, try to sum up their case and uh, rebut any other lasting issues that have come up from the direct debate section. And then at the end, you, the listeners, will be the judge. And I will talk about, after this entire debate segment, how you can step in to let us know who was the winner in this debate. And I would encourage you, as you listen to this debate, I want you to keep in mind, uh, think about it as friendly debate. And also that try, if you can, to take your personal feelings about the statement out of it and listen more to the quality of the arguments that these guys have come up with. Because when I go through the statement in a moment, you will probably have a very strong feeling one way or another about this. But I would really argue if you can put that to the side and just listen to what these gentlemen have to say, you may be moved. Or you may think that one of them has developed a pretty good argument, even if you may not necessarily agree with it. And that's really what I'm going to be looking for. And I would like you to vote on at the end when we talk about that is who had the most persuasive argument, not necessarily who did you agree with the most. So having said that, that's kind of an idea. So this will take us about an hour if we time this out pretty well. And uh, we're going to start with opening remarks. Uh, first off, though, the statement to be debated. And that statement is, all games should have difficulty settings. And in this argument, Bill will be taking the pro side and Kelsey will be taking the con side to this argument. And I have actually, believe it or not, I've flipped a coin before the show started to decide who will be getting their opening arguments oh, first. No one saw that. This is rigged. <laughs> yeah. I know, but Kelsey... Was it, was, was it a Canadian half dollar or what? <laughs> well, Kelsey won the coin toss, so that means he's going to go first and Bill's going to go second. Whether you think it's good or bad to be first or second, I'll let you decide. But I am going to get my timer ready. And once I say go... Kelsey, you've got five minutes to state your case. So All right, that sounds ready. like I, I lost the coin toss, not one. <laughs> well, here's the good news. Just like in American football, at the end, we're going to flip-flop it. So you'll have the opposite. But are you ready? So I get the final word? Is that what you're saying? You get the final word, Ooh, sir. Okay, it's worth going first then, I guess. <laughs> All right. So your time begins now. All right. So just at the opening here, I want to clarify something. I think accessibility of games is not the same as difficulty in games. I plan to talk about that a little bit during the debate too. So things like controller options, brightness settings, resizing interfaces, subtitles, and other options to ensure that a large amount of players can play, I think that's a good thing. This opens up games to more players and there's nothing wrong with that. I also wanted to do a quick apology in advance for when I probably say something insensitive during the course of the debate because we'll be speaking off the cuff. With all that out of the way, I think my biggest issue with the statement, all games should have difficulty settings, is that in this scenario, you lose or radically change many of the most amazing games from our lifetimes. So just to name a few, um, things like Dark Souls, most of the Mega Man games, most of the Super Mario games, Crash Bandicoot, most role-playing games that exist, and the list goes on and on and on. 
so some games have thrived because they in, or they've directly pushed against traditional difficulty levels too and they found interesting and unique ways to dynamically adjust the challenge during the game uh, negating the need for a, a difficulty setting at all uh, most of us that have been gaming for a significant amount of time can likely recall some examples of badly balanced games and scaling difficulty by having standard settings like an easy normal hard modes not as simple as it seems lots of games are usually built with one of those settings in mind and then the other ones are altered as an afterthought or extra content sometimes not even by the creator's own choosing but by the company that they work for um, these can be extremes like on the easy end where the games just get so boring that there's no challenge and they, they lose interest or the opposite end the hard modes are just constantly frustrating and most players don't want to deal with that neither of those scenarios is very fun uh, most importantly though is the vision of the game's creator or creators what if their vision for the game they're building doesn't include difficulty options would they be putting their best effort into making them if they were forced to i i don't believe they would uh, and to use from software as an example again i don't know if the, their vision for games in, in the modern sense all the dark souls bloodborns etc would even work if they added an easy mode it might negate the entire reason for the game existing if we want games to be treated and respected as art i don't think we can dilute the vision of the creators creating this art by demanding that every one of them should be adding difficulty levels to those i think we need to accept that some things simply are not made for us and let those that enjoy those things simply enjoy them now my lovely opponent here may bring up accessibility which i feel like improves a separate topic from difficulty he may also talk about how a variety of options is a positive which i think i can show is sometimes a negative effect on players but if you take one thing away from this discussion this is what i hope it is that there are different ways to approach the idea of difficulty in games and simply forcing every game to have a setting to change them is a bad idea both for gamers and developers i concede the rest of my time well, very good. All right. Well, I think that was a very good opening argument, and thank you very much for respecting the time limit. Of course. <laughs> All right, Bill. Um, I'm going to reset the timer here, so your opening starts now. All right. I just want a quick note. I want to uh, just state how I am the most nervous uh, that I have ever been in my life. So uh, here we go. Uh, all games, whether directly or indirectly, should give the player options to adjust difficulty to best suit their experience level, play style, and enjoyment with the game. By directly, I mean an option within the game to adjust difficulty explicitly, whether it be easy, normal, hard, or I'm too young to die all the way up to nightmare. By indirectly, I mean any number of mechanics within the game that if used could make the game easier or harder. Difficulty settings are not just to make the game easier. These can vary greatly from side quests to obtain powerful weapons, grinding levels, or materials to improve your statistics. Uh, this would also include optional codes such as the Konami code for extra lives or additional difficulty modes being unlocked after a game is complete, like New Game Plus or Hunk and Tofu in Resident Evil. Since the indirect method could have countless applications, I'll be focusing my argument on direct options, though we will talk about indirect options as well. 
Any game with a reputation for being extremely difficult, like a Soulsborne title or Cuphead, ends up excluding players who want to play the game, but who feel that they don't have the skill to play the game on the only difficulty available to them. In some cases, these players may take a chance on a game like this to find out that they're not able to make it past the first level or the first boss. This ends in frustration and a feeling that they've wasted their time and money. I understand that there are those who would argue that some games are built around that difficulty, and when the difficulty is removed, uh, the game changes. In many cases this is true, but it doesn't make the experience any less enjoyable for anyone. The player who beats Metal Gear Solid on easy and the player who beats it on extreme had vastly different experiences. Both players enjoyed the game and neither's experience negatively affected the others. The inclusion of an easier difficulty setting also allows players the opportunity to improve at the game as they become more familiar with the mechanics and the controls. When a child is learning how to play baseball, we don't put them in the batter's box against a major league pitcher throwing 90 mile per hour fastballs that they can't hit and say, what are you afraid of? Get in there and get good. We put the ball on a tee and slowly teach them the fundamentals of hitting. What part of the bat you want to make contact with the ball? Practicing form, learning from mistakes. This process, process takes time and some children naturally pick up faster than others. We don't tell the ones that don't take to it quickly, oh well, I guess you aren't good enough to play this game, go play something else. We provide them the means to improve and that's what easier difficulty setting in a game does. While this isn't explicitly adjusting difficulty, practice modes in games do fall in line with my point of affording players opportunity to improve. A good example of a game that does both a practice mode and adjustable difficulty is Rock Band. Besides the standard difficulty options, there's a practice mode that allows you to play any segment from any song at any difficulty level at any speed you like. Being able to practice a segment in a loop is an invaluable practice tool, especially in a song like Rush's 16-minute epic 2112 or Kelsey's favorite track from Rock Band, the beloved Canadian rock anthem Nickelback's Burn It to the Ground. In closing, I just wanted to include some data from, from a game with a reputation for being difficult. I chose Bloodborne partially because it's an exclusive to the PS4 and easier to track most of the game's player base through the trophies. The first mandatory boss in the game, excuse my pronunciation, is Father Gascoigne. Uh, yes. the, per the percentage of players who have defeated Father Gascoigne is 45. Less than half of the players who have started Bloodborne have defeated the first boss. The percentage of players who've defeated bosses throughout the game drops steadily from there. The Honoring Wishes trophy is awarded to players who defeat the game's final regular boss, not even the secret true form which needs more effort to unlock and defeat. And how many players have earned this trophy? 14%. For a game that has such a vocal and dedicated fan base, I wouldn't expect 55% of the people who have tried it to quit before defeating the first boss and 86% to not bother finishing the game. If the game had even one more difficulty option, that may have been enough to get some players over the hump and keep going. In closing, my argument is simple. All games should have some method of adjusting difficulty for two reasons. One, it makes the game more accessible to everyone without diminishing the experience for anyone. And two, inclusion is important. Get good is a statement of exclusion and is not a valid argument. Wow, very good. And again, thank you very much for respecting the time. You guys did, both did a wonderful job at that. Nothing to be nervous about, Bill. That was impressive. <laughs> no, you, I, yeah. I think for the first time at doing this, you both have, have done a great job. Hmm. So I have a couple of questions after listening to your opening statements. So if you would, I'm going to, I'll ask these questions and, and to just keep it somewhat reasonable, I'll, I'll open these questions up to either of you, but I'll ask you one at a time. 
with this one. So um, following up with what Kelsey had started talking about, and that was accessibility options. And he directly separated in his argument accessibility options from difficulty settings. Bill, do you think that's a valid division? I think it's a valid distinction to make between uh, uh, accessibility uh, and difficulty, but I also think accessibility has become a little bit of a politically correct term when dealing with physical accessibility. Uh, players with disabilities, players who don't have full motor control, um, things like that. So I think that it's also important to make a distinction between accessibility for players who need physical assistance uh, when playing games versus just making the game in the most literal term accessible to more people who will be able to enjoy that experience. Uh, but yes, I, I do agree the distinction is is real and important. Okay, so taking that same thing to you then, Kelsey, when we're talking about accessibility options, something like a brightness slider, so would you say that purposefully abusing the brightness slider to make dark areas lighter is a way of modifying the difficulty, or is that simply just a setting that is open for abuse if someone chooses to do so? Uh, both. Um, I think someone with, you know, vision issues uh, can use that slider just to enjoy the game as anyone else would. But if I'm playing Resident Evil and I slide that brightness setting all the way up, I'm going to see everything around that corner that I may be not supposed to see, and I'm going to have an easier time with the game. So I think that's kind of a, a double-edged sword. I'm, I'm glad it's in the game because I, I think accessibility is a, a positive thing, like I said in my opening. Um, but it does leave that it's kind of like a game genie code or a Konami code, like Bill mentioned. It, it's up for abuse if somebody should want to abuse it. Okay. So coming back, and, and Bill, you, you talked about, um, uh, like, for example, in Rock Band, the ability to replay a portion and replay a portion and replay a portion. Um, how do you think that relates to games that don't have a difficulty setting but ramp the difficulty naturally through gameplay. And so you may die a lot early on, but once you learn those mechanics, it translates evenly throughout the game. Um, I, I see it as just a more uh, respectful observation of the player's time. Um, because you can do the same thing uh, in, in both games, right? You can play, you know, game A that doesn't have that pr uh, practice segment loop option, and it might take you 35, 45 minutes, maybe a couple of hours to get through that space. Whereas if there's one difficult segment or two difficult segments, you can loop that, whether it be through an official means like playing the actual game, you know, until you reach that point, or through something like emulation where you can have a save state and then just go back and, and manually loop those. So um, I talk about respect of a player's time. It's something that comes up a lot uh, uh, in the Destiny community where you're asked to grind a lot for a lot of different things and sometimes to regrind for the same thing. So in being a member of that community, there's, there's a lot of talk about respecting the player's time and not asking them to put more time into a task than is uh, reasonable. So with something like, uh, um, you know, if you want to sit down and practice a segment of a game, to ask a player, I'm going to need you to play through this 80% of this segment just to get to the one piece that you would like to work on and better yourself. It's, it's, it's not taking the player's time into account or, or respecting their time commitment. Um, so I just see that as a, uh, uh, 
as a feature that says to the player, we understand that you want to practice this segment. We're going to take score out of the mix. So obviously you can't get a high score in a practice run. We're going to take achievements out of the mix. So it's similar to like in Minecraft where you have survival and creative. Every time you switch to creative, the rules are kind of out the window and they're like, okay, buddy, you're not getting any achievements. And you're like, okay. So it's just, uh, um, it's like a mutual respect piece where they say you can do whatever you want with your time with this game. So same thing to you then, Kelsey. So uh, games that instead of a difficulty slider, instead do it organically through the gameplay piece, it may punish you or force you to repeat sections over and over until you learn that. Can you talk about how you feel in terms of that versus difficulty selection? Sure. I, I think it comes down to the creator's vision in that case. Um, I think it's very valid to have a player, you know, go through those uh, difficult moments, uh, even if Bill said, um, it could take you 30 minutes to two hours just to overcome one section you've been working on. Um, you get a great sense of... Uh, safety practicing um, skills in a safe environment because if you die in a video game nothing happens to you in real life other than maybe your, your pulse rate goes up a little bit so it's a safe environment to practice learning failure until you get better enough to overcome that failure and that is a fantastic feeling and i think you lose that uh, if you use some of the other methods he's talked about like uh, safe states um, to get your way past uh, uh, an area that otherwise you might need to invest a little bit more time in um, I, I realize not everybody has that amount of time, but that's why I also said not every game is for every person. But the people that love that game, I think they love it because of the effort they've put into it to get past it. Th those 14% of people that beat Bloodborne feel pretty good about beating Bloodborne. Whereas if that number was you know 60%, I, I don't know if everyone would appreciate it as much is what I'm saying. Okay. Going back to a thing you said earlier, Bill, you, you said, um, you know, you went through those percentages uh, with trophies and things. And I'm going to I'm going to ask basically the same question of both of you. I'll start with Kelsey since I've been starting with you a little bit, Bill. But the question is basically the same. And that was, you know, like not even 50 percent had beaten the first boss and we got smaller from there. In reality, I would ask do most people finish most games that they play and start? Um, so, Kelsey, do you think those numbers are indicative of anything, or or is it just that's a nature and that the natural piece of, of games? Um, I don't think those numbers are as accurate as Bill hopes they are, because I'm pretty confident that Bloodborne was given away as a PSN freebie one month. So you've got thousands of players just trying it for free and going, "This isn't for me. I'm out." They're adding to that statistic and lowering that number. What about you, Bill? So uh, uh, that that so two two pieces. So it um, so it could be accurate that that was uh, uh, given away as a PSN game. Um, I don't know if I'm not a PSN member, but I believe him if he says it was. Um, even if there are thousands or potentially tens of thousands of people who claimed it, I believe the sales numbers for Bloodborne are somewhere around two and a half million. Um, so I don't know uh, exactly how much um, the math would change. Uh, but to your original question of um, is that indicative of games as a whole, uh, I, I do think that the percentage of players that finish a game it uh, is on the lower side. I, I think most people who purchase a game uh, don't finish uh, you know that that main campaign. 
and uh, it's something that uh, uh, achievements and trophies, um, depending on which platform you're on, have kind of shown us is uh, the rarity of certain achievements. And uh, but to Kelsey's point as well, there are games that are given away. There are games that are on sale for 90% off. There are games that dilute that pool that can really affect those numbers. So it would be really, really great to have more stats on that. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, percentage of players with this achievement that have minimum 20 hours played or something like that. So you can remove all of the, you know, zero to one hour, uh, you know, guys from there, the guys who got the disc from their buddy and said, oh, you got to see how hard this is. And then they played it for five minutes, never again. So, yeah, I mean, with any statistic, uh, it's always great to have more data and better data. But, you know, I, we have the numbers that uh, so pretty much those numbers come from any player who has loaded up the game and has a PSN, uh, you know, like the, the system connected to the internet. I think that's where those numbers come from. Okay, good. So, um, Kelsey, going back into your opening argument, one of the things you talked about was, and, and, and is a common argument when this comes up, and that is artistic vision of the creator. And so I want to give a moment for each of you to talk directly about that idea, whether that's should be or or is a valid argument or or is that just fluff so um kelsey i'm gonna start with you so what do you that's your argument how do you back up that artistic artistic vision piece sure um well if you use any other medium like take your pick it can be music books movies whatever you're not uh i'm not gonna get upset because a book is in a language that i can't read but that's the story that the author wanted to tell. I'm not going to get upset because maybe I, I have a colorblind issue and this painting, I can't appreciate it the same way. But that artist painted that picture to represent what they were feeling at that time, not necessarily what I'm going to feel looking at it. Um, you, you can go on and on with examples, but uh, like if like Bill's a big vinyl guy, if someone releases something just on vinyl, how many people does that exclude from listening to that music in this day and age? Quite a few, but I, I love that Bill is very interested in it and he can enjoy that album. I, I don't think uh, creators should be pigeonholed into creating something that necessarily doesn't tell the story that they want to tell or have the experience that they want to have uh, just because it doesn't fit some people's definition. Okay, so pretty much the same thing to you, Bill. I would just put in... Um, is that valid when we talk about games being interactive experience versus a static experience like other art medium? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, the artist vision, uh, is very important and I don't think the artist vision should be infringed upon. So for instance, if Kojima wants to make a game, you know, this scene, this character and wants to be this difficult, that's fine. But... I think that the way that so when an artist puts a vision out there, there's always different ways to interpret that art and people are going to interpret art differently. So what happens is the artist could put something out and people could interpret it in a way that they never would have imagined could have been interpreted that way. And this has happened when artists put songs out and then someone will say, hey, is this song about xyz and they'll say no i never even thought of it that way but it's amazing that you interpreted it that way so without giving that art to the people who want to experience it or who would love to experience it if it weren't for that difficulty 
you would never get that interpretation because art isn't just from one source to you know the viewer it's it's kind of a living uh entity that uh, uh the 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 feeling you get when you when you experience art uh, ends up being shared um, kind of throughout the community and to your uh, second point of is that valid being interactive it's certainly different um, because you know a painting being physical and there it is and it doesn't change versus you know a film being you know start to finish and the images that are on the screen are the images on the screen and they're not going to change um, but I still think the uh, the artist vision is valid and if it comes to compromising the artist's vision in order to make the uh, uh, the game more accessible. I think that's that's where it can get a little dicey and a little dangerous. But I, I still go back to my previous argument that, you know, and not to stick with Kojima, uh, uh, but because since I mentioned Metal Gear Solid before, it's a vastly different game on Extreme than it is on Easy. Uh, it removes the radar, which, I mean, it like you could play the entire game just looking at the at the radar on easy and then it's a completely different game on extreme extreme might be the vision that kojima had for the game but what ended up happening with uh, that easier setting is what brought people into that game and those are the people who who started on the lower difficulty and then they moved up and they ended up experiencing something different and then the next you know three four five games in the series and none of that happens if metal Gear solid one comes out extreme only okay good so my last question I'm going to have here, and then I'm going to turn it to you folks, so either of you can start asking your questions of one another, and I may have some to wrap up after that piece, is um, kind of I'm going to ask each one of you the flip side of your arguments to a degree, and I want you to, to rebut that or to tell me what your thoughts are. So, um, Bill, when it comes to everything having everything having a difficulty selection. Uh, that's a very, it, by design, this is a very broad statement. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what makes a debate uh, what it is. And so is that to you an absolute or do you think there is room? Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> so... There, so there has to be, right? I mean, and, and the whole reason difficulty becomes a topic of debate, of debate is when games are too difficult. If, all, if, if uh, uh, you know, we, we rarely run into the problem that we say, wow, this game is too easy. You just play through Lego Star Wars and you have fun with it. And no one goes and says, man, I loved Lego Star Wars, but it was entirely too easy. I wish it had like a murder mode where like every <laughs> single time you were out there, you got, no one, no one wishes that. And super Mario brothers is a great example of a game that is very, very easy in the beginning and naturally ramps up. I consider that not while not explicit adjustable difficulty. I consider that a great example of pacing in difficulty. Um, like we have pacing in stories, how they, they, they slowly ramp up. Um, so, it, it's and I, I do think of games like that and you know obviously you can see my background if you're watching in the video I have a duck hunt uh, with uh, you know using a Gatling gun to increase to make it easier but uh, there are certain games where you know you have to actually rack your brain how would I make this easier how would I make this uh, harder it's just the game is kind of the game so it, it is difficult to, to quantify you know every single game in existence needs difficulty so i think there is a threshold at which a reasonable person could say 
this game is fine where it is. And then once it gets to a certain point, then we say, okay, I think now is the time where we need to start figuring out how we can make this game uh, be able to be enjoyed by as many people who want to enjoy it as possible. So same thing basically to you, Kelsey, although it sounds like Bill's made some concession. Uh, would you make concession as well, or is is the vision what the vision is? I think the vision is what the vision is. And when he talks about games like Super Mario Brothers, um, and I would very much put that in the same design philosophy as like a Dark Souls, where you're you're teaching some basic foundational mechanics at the start of the game and all and the player has access to all of them right off the bat and they're just giving you new environments later on new situations to use those same mechanics that you're hopefully growing in and mastering as you play the game i think it's just time invested um, i'd call that like a dynamic difficulty adjustment rather than a, a difficulty setting it's, there's never an easy mode or a hard mode uh, and just to bring up the one point bill said where no one ever complains about games being too easy uh, the term walking simulator has been used a lot in the last few years as a derogatory term for games being far too easy. Um, and that's the vision of the creator. I wouldn't ask for hard mode in those kind of games because um, that's not what they're intending you to experience as you play it. Would, would, those, would those be like running mode? Or <laughs> there you go, fast running forward. simulator. Yeah. So quick rebuttal, if I'm allowed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would I would uh, uh, say that walking simulators are more referring to games that don't have combat. So something like a Gone Home, yeah, that is just an experience of a story. Um, so uh, and not so much you know anything that has any kind of combat um, and is just too easy. Just something where what you do in the game is you walk, you explore, you maybe gain knowledge. And so by that term, Outer Wilds could be considered a walking simulator and at one game of the year last year from multiple outlets. So Chris, I have a question directly related to this. Can I jump in with one right now? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> open it up to questions and rebuttals from you guys. So take awesome. the floor. So so Bill, I specifically had this written down before you mention that, but how do okay. you feel like like games like Telltale's Walking Dead or Gone Home or Remains of Eden's Finch would benefit from having a difficulty option then? So, uh, so it's a good question. So for, uh, let's start with uh, one of the first ones you mentioned, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, or any uh, Telltale game, um, uh, because I haven't played much of The Walking Dead, but I played Back to the Future, uh, Batman, uh, Wolf sure. Among I, Us. I'm, I'm very familiar with Batman, if you want to use that as an example. Sure. So, so for these games that uh, are are more uh, story driven um it would benefit from difficulty settings with in regards to um making the player aware uh, of the consequences on a higher difficulty setting uh not giving the player warnings that a character may permanently die a storyline may may change and while this might not be something that a more hardcore player would want to know uh like we, we were we had a discussion recently about when you get to a new area and it warns you, okay, warning, you're never coming back to this area again, a hardcore player wouldn't want that. They would want to experience that, but a less experienced player who maybe doesn't have the time to play through three times or go to a new game plus would want to know, okay, thank you. I will go back and I will think more clearly about this since this is the only playthrough I'm gonna have with this game. So something along those lines for, for those type of games. That sounds akin to like reading the last pages of a novel and then going, okay, now I can read the rest. I know everything's going to be okay in the end. 
uh, different options for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't quite put it with reading the ending. More of a more of a warning to to respect the player's time is how I would kind of categorize that. Okay, so Kelsey's taking the first question. So Bill, you have a question? Uh, uh, sure. So I'll go back to my uh, definitely accurate percentages on the fourteen percent of players who have completed Bloodborne. Um, so uh, he meant Kelsey mentioned before that you know maybe if sixty percent of players had finished it, maybe they wouldn't feel so special. I'm curious if the sixty percent completed it on very hard and they got that very hard trophy compared to the fourteen percent that got the easy mode trophy. How would they feel any worse than they feel right now? Um, I think it just becomes less of an achievement. Um, like if you're running a marathon and you're in the top half, you're going to feel a little better than if you're in the bottom third. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, just the pool of people makes it feel different. Um, if that makes sense. Okay. So Kelsey, you have another question? I do. Um, so Bill, I'm going to name a few games for you and, and then I'm going to ask my question after it. Mm -hmm. So Chrono Trigger, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Final Fantasy X, Rogue Legacy, Super Mario Galaxy, Portal 2. Do you feel like any of these games would be improved with having difficulty settings? Uh, uh, read me uh, a couple again. Just I was... Sure, I'll focus on the last four because I specifically yeah. picked these two. So Final Fantasy X, okay. Rogue right. Legacy, Super Mario Galaxy, Portal 2. So, so Rogue Legacy is an interesting example because it does have a built-in mechanism. And I, I spoke about this in the opening of indirectly allowing you to, uh, to make the game easier. Um, it's a bit of a, a it's a bit of a level up mechanic, but it's it's basically as you you know it's not experience points. It's as you gain money, you like earn these abilities. So this is an interesting way of respecting a player's time in a genre that can typically be kind of grindy when you have to grind experience. So when Rogue Legacy allows you to improve your character over time, and then on each successive playthrough to give you tools to get farther, to give you more life, to give you better weapons, to start learning even though the castle is procedurally generated, you start to, uh, to recognize the rooms that you are going into. So that, that knowledge that you gain, which is uh, uh, what we talked about before is more of a, uh, I forget the word you use, but uh, like, a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking a, uh, more of a built-in uh, difficulty scaling mechanism. Uh, uh, so the the difficulty of Rogue Legacy kind of has that in, in I don't want to compare it to Mario, but in a similar sense, it does kind of have this scaling uh, 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 difficulty built into it. How would it benefit from difficulty settings? Uh, the first you know dozen to two dozen playthroughs are pretty rough where you only have a small amount of uh, life in them. And this is fine in the very first couple of playthroughs to teach you that dying is a part of this game, but it does kind of take a little while to get over that initial hump uh, to get you in, uh, invested enough in the game to want to keep going with it. So just in that first couple of hours where a lot of people with a billion games on the market, there are people who will play a game for like 30 minutes, 20 minutes and say, okay, this isn't for me. It happened to me with Outer Wilds. I played it for a little bit and I got out of it and it was just happened to be something that I, that I went back to. So 
anything that can be done right at the beginning of that game, just give me an assist mode to get me over that two-hour hump just to get in. Uh, something like a Final Fantasy X, it's, it's tricky with an RPG that kind of has like the leveling mechanics already built in. I can think of uh, uh, the Blitzball game that a lot of people ignored because one of the first things you do is you lose the Blitzball tournament because your goaltender is awful. So a difficulty setting in Blitzball, I, I beat the entire game, didn't play Blitzball. And then I met a, a, a guy who worked with the Babbages and he said, oh, don't you love Blitzball? I said, no, I completely ignore it. And he says, oh, it's like the best part of the game. So then he taught me the first thing you do, fire your goalie, get a good goalie, learn the jet shot, play defense like this, play offense like this. Oh my gosh, like now I really love Blitzball. So um, even settings built into segments of the game uh, that can make them either uh, uh, easier to learn, um, whether it's uh, you know through teaching, whether it's through lowering that difficulty explicitly, whether it's something uh, uh, built in where let's say the game can detect, okay, you got scored on in Blitzball within four seconds, without letting you know, maybe they, you know, within the game, uh, start adjusting a little bit on the back end so that they they make it uh, uh, easier for you to stay invested in that segment. Um, there's there's lots of ways that it could be done, and my argument keeps going back to um, it doesn't dilute the game experience for the people who beat it on a higher difficulty, even if you you know help other people through it when they first start. What you're describing um, with your, how you wanted Blitzball to be uh, taken, um, that's kind of how Crash Bandicoot does it, and I think that's an amazing game design uh, where they'll after you, you've died a few times, they'll, they'll slow down some of the traps and stuff and they'll, they'll make you move a little faster if you keep dying and, and vice versa, where I think that kind of design and like you're talking about with Rogue Legacy, where there's just a wealth of options is your difficulty curve. So if you want to explore these different stat boosts and these different equipments, the same way Bloodborne does, like it, it doesn't give you an easy mode, but if you have a certain build on a character, you're going to have an easier time with something else. It just, it trusts the player to, uh, explore the game a little bit uh, I think is a lot uh, better way to handle difficulty than just saying I'm stuck go down to easy or I'm stuck put that god mode on Final Fantasy 9 I, I much prefer having the ability to explore and choose the difficulty you want through the game design rather than just through a menu and preference is that's the key there's no reason why we can't have both there's no reason why the game can't be designed that way and also have a slider that says you want to be able to play this game right now without spending five hours learning builds. I, I don't think it, they're mutually exclusive. I, I think the reason is what the creator of the game wants you to experience. I think that that's the biggest reason. Mm. Bill, you're up. Uh, yes. So... Sorry, I'm just going. I had a list of questions, but some of it's stuff we've covered. So just one moment here. I asked this question kind of in the same way about a different game. So let me go to this one. Uh, uh, the statement, get good, is one often stated by those with higher skill directed at those who are less skilled when it comes to difficult games. This is usually in the form of playful ribbing between friends, but it can also be seen as uh, slightly condescending. So what are your thoughts on the players who are skilled telling the players who are not skilled, 
you don't deserve a difficulty option at your skill level to play this game. I agree with the sentiment behind it, but I think you're right. It's it's blunt and ignorant and turns people off that, that don't have that, that skill yet. Um, I think what was originally meant behind that was like invest the time, like learn this game. Um, and it's become a derogatory term, I agree, and uh, probably should be replaced with something a little more eloquent and thoughtful that's not going to fit in two words. It's going to be a couple paragraphs of, of why you should spend the time to uh, invest in this game and why it's worth investing into and why it does respect the player by putting that time into it. While we're talking about this, I'm just going to throw this in, and then Kelsey, I'll let you get back to your next question. Um, I, you know, I like to watch fighting games. I like to play fighting games. And those are no- notoriously a, a place where um, you got to get good, right? Uh, there's... It's a it's tournament. Just, it is. I mean, that's... <laughs> a, a difficulty slider would radically change something that's competitive. So i'd like each of you just to take a moment you can take it however you like but i would like you to talk about the competitive scene because it's not just fighting games it's mobas it's all sorts of things these days so take a moment and talk about how this plays into games that were designed to be competitive so i think we've we've almost exclusively been talking about single player experiences i don't think we've even touched on on anything multiplayer um, can you clarify something for me, Chris? Because I know some modern fighting games, uh, like Guilty Gear is one off the top of my head, I think, uh, where you can have different settings where like one button will do a short combo for some players. And if you have it on a different setting, you have to input all the different inputs to get that same combo. Do you know if both of those are allowed tournament level or do they restrict certain uh, button I don't combinations? Watch, I don't watch any games that... Um... I don't watch any tournaments for games that have those features, although they do exist. I will tell you things like Street Fighter tournaments. There are certain control schemes that are banned from tournaments because they may give an, what seemed to be an artificial uh, leg up on competition. Sure. Um, his name escapes me now, but I know there's uh, a disabled Street Fighter player who's pretty high level. Uh, does yes. that exclude players from Broly. like him when when Broly they legs. option those? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, does that exclude players like him when they they have those controller settings banned? You know, famously, Broly Legs plays with his face. Um, he he literally can't walk. Um, his legs are malformed, and his hands are rather malformed as well. So he literally has one hand where he lays on his belly on his chair. And he, he can hold the ca- the controller to his face, and he plays with his mouth and his face. Um, so, yeah, it applies to him. I mean, he wouldn't be able to enter those tournaments, and he does, and he does pretty well. But he has to abide by those same rules. Mm-hmm. So I have some thought. I didn't uh, hear you call on either one of us. It, uh, is it? Uh, can yeah. I go with my thought? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So so as you were talking about Street Fighter tournaments, and I think you're right, Kelsey. I don't think we've mentioned anything uh, competitive. We've we've pretty much been talking about single player experiences. And if it was multiplayer, it was like co-op, like something like a Cuphead, where you're playing two players together. So when you mention something like a Street Fighter, to me the other player you're playing against is the difficulty slider, right? So the adjustable difficulty is going from this player to that player. And a game that is structured like that 
um, with, especially in a tournament format, there's always going to be rules uh, like you just uh, uh, were talking about, whether that's NHL 94, where we say, okay, five minute periods, goalie control, no goalie control, icing, no icing, offsides, no offsides, can't play as Jeremy Roenick, can, you know, can't play as this team. And all of those things are put in place to make it as level as it can be um, as opposed to, you know, uh, just kind of like uh, letting everyone kind of run free range. Um, so, uh, uh, and the, uh, the, what are the, the PC game, uh, the, the war zone is the big one right now. War is one of the big ones. Uh, the call of duty um, uh, battle Royale uh, uh, PUBG, uh apex legends um, overwatch. All of these games are games that are competitive in nature and whether they're team-based or, or solo in nature, and they all are games that are kind of games as a service, if you want to call it that. There's a lot of words for them where the game evolves, whether it be through patches or through you know new weapons, evolving weapons. They buff some things, they nerf some things. So these are games that are constantly changing, um, but in competitive environments, the game is whatever the current meta is. So it, you might be living through a pulse rifle meta, or it might be a sniper meta, or it might be a shotgun meta. So you're almost running a dual uh, challenge with the, uh, within the game where you have to fight within the meta of the game, depending on which characters are strong, which are weak, and you're also fighting within the rules of that tournament. So I don't know if I'd necessarily call that difficulty settings, but those are just kind of the terms and conditions that you're living with in any living game in a tournament structure. Um, so, because uh, when you talk about difficulty in games, when it's single play, like in Street Fighter, you know, you go from easy, you know, on up just when you're kind of facing the computer. But in a competitive game, I think you're just looking at the other player as the difficulty uh, slider and just the, the current meta of that game. Okay, good. So yeah, back I'm, to you, Kelsey. Next question, or unless you have more to say. I was just saying I'm pretty much in agreement with Bill on that one, and I think that's a great analogy of the player being the difficulty slider. Um, and I remember, and sometimes like when you get in those high levels, uh, especially in fighting games, um, you you can use your your knowledge as an advantage too. Um, I, th- I think it was about three years ago, maybe four. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom games are known to have like tier listing of all the characters. Um, and so in tournaments, you basically say this, see the same, you know, three to eight characters showing up a lot. And, and around that time, I was saying three to four years ago, there was a player who, I think he was from South America, uh, came up with like Hagar Hulk team and nobody practiced against these characters because they were considered bottom tier characters. So when he got efficient enough with them, when he put in that time and invested the time into seemingly bad characters, he like mopped the floor with people because they just didn't know how to handle this and practiced against them. So I think there are ways you can adjust your personal difficulty slider uh, even against uh, other human players when there's not just a computer you can set to easy or hard. Well, one thing I would ask both of you to consider, and you can, again, elaborate further if you want to, is you're both taking sides in an argument based around the statement that all games should allow for difficulty settings. And what I hear you telling me is what exists, but I don't hear you arguing for or against. In the competitive nature of the games, you mean? Sure. That's part of all games. So... Can I jump in while you, while you think for a minute, Bill? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So consider like a, a weightlifting tournament. 
um, like a deadlifting match. Um, two guys just lift the same amount of weight. Um, there's no putting some cushions underneath the one guy's bar to, to pop them up or not. It's just human capacity, what that guy can do at that moment. And I think that's exactly how multiplayer games are treated, uh, especially in tournament settings, uh, but some of the ranking settings too. And I think if you added, uh, like if you're playing Street Fighter and you added like, I only want to play characters that are people that have only played 50 games or less. I just want to mop the floor with everybody and that's my easy mode. I, I don't think that's fun for anybody. I don't think that should exist in multiplayer games. I think you need just what the person is capable of um, and adding anything beyond that is uh, not fun for either side. So I think when talking about, we'll just use the same games we are talking about before, uh, Street Fighter has difficulty settings. Uh, Destiny has activities of different power levels that has difficulty settings. Uh, other competitive games, uh, uh, they have difficulty settings. But when you throw tournament into the mix or competitive into the mix, you're not removing the difficulty settings. You're just trying to make it a level playing field. So those difficulty options still exist within the game. You're just trying to keep it even within the confines of the tournament. So just because two players are playing uh, in a tournament against each other in Street Fighter doesn't mean that Street Fighter doesn't have difficulty options within it. So that game still has that difficulty as an option. And, uh, and also within going more granular, in Destiny, there is competitive, and then there are, there are many levels of competitive. So there's some levels that don't have a radar. That's a more difficult way to play, but everyone doesn't have that radar. There's another uh, level where it's elimination, so players don't respawn. It's not just one player that does it. No player respawns. So every game mode is a different level of difficulty, but it's even across the board for every player. So those, if, if it was the same game mode all the time, say, listen, we don't want it any easier or harder than this one game mode. This is the one game mode you get it could be a boring experience just playing the same game mode. So that's why we have multiples with different levels of difficulty. Okay. So we'll go, that was my question there for a second. So I think Kelsey, you're up. Do you have a, a question on, on board? Yes. A few in the wings here. Um, so Bill, uh, what do you say to a small indie team of one to three people who have spent the last two to three years building their vision for a game about to put it out it's got no difficulty settings. They can't afford another couple months of uh, development time to create that setting, to balance it, to bug check it, everything that goes on with that. They, they have what they're happy with and they want to get it out. What do you say to those guys? I would say thank you very much for your service. Thank <laughs> you for making this game. Thank you for putting all the work that it takes uh, to get into, you know, making that goes into making a game because we've seen the documentaries we're just making indie games just depressing and it doesn't make people feel happy <laughs> uh thank you to the super meat boy guys um uh so yeah i would say all a of game those which doesn't have difficulty settings yeah <laughs> so i would say all of those things to those guys and then i would ask uh do you plan to support mods for your game because i assume if it's a small indie game that they may be releasing on steam uh, which supports mods. There is a mod for Cuphead called Assist Mode that gives you more HP and as, as well as other uh, things. So it is an unofficial way that difficulty can be adjusted, 
but the developers were fine with it by opening their game up to mods from the community that loves their game and wants to help the development team without taking any money from them because they can't afford it because they're poor indie developers. So uh, hopefully those indie devs would uh, uh, be open to having their game on a platform that does support mods. Uh, totally understand that they don't. Every situation is different. Um, but uh, uh, I would wish those develop if the game was uh, something that was uh, perceived to be quite difficult. Um, I would wish them very well and thank them for their service. And I would say I hope that I get the chance to play your game eventually if uh, if those options become available. Okay. Now, just to make you both aware, we're getting close to the end of the the question and rebuttal phase. So I'm going to give each of you an opportunity to ask one more question, and then we're going to end that phase and move on to our closing arguments. So choose wisely, uh, but this will be your last question in this phase of the debate. So, Bill, what have you got? So, we've I've I've kind of asked this. You know, we we've kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I want to know how Mega Man Three would be a worse game with the inclusion of a mode where you took just slightly less damage and question that's question that's it uh, i'd start by saying see mega man 2 is an example of a worse mega man game and it's got difficulty uh, sections in it uh, uh, mega man uh, uh, chris impartial I, impartial I, I, yes i know i'm <laughs> Uh, Mega Man, uh, just in general, uh, the classic ones or, or the X ones, um, they tackle difficulty in, a, in an interesting way. They don't have a, the other than two have that uh, selection for the most part. The difficulty is which boss you want to start with. Um, and they all seem hard at first, but as soon as you crack that one, everything else gets a little easier. As soon as you crack that next one, everything gets a little easier. It's all about the the choices in that game and and how you want to approach it is the difficulty uh, for Mega Man Three specifically, which I'm glad you picked because I, I know that one fairly well. I always start with Snake Man, and most people like the the default easy one to start with is Top Man because uh, he's got an easy pattern to understand. I can start with Top Man if I want that easy run through, and then I I know the pattern after that. I can start with Snake Man if I want a little harder. If I want to go nuts, I'm going to start with Shadow Man and have a heck of a time trying to get started. Um, but I, I can kind of choose my difficulty with how I approach that game, and that's one of the reasons I, I really enjoy that style of game. So you're definitely talking about options and strategy, and those are valid. But how would Mega Man 3 be worse if there was an option that a player could choose. And you said earlier, if someone wanted to choose brightness as an option, that's available for them. The Konami code's available for them. So how would Mega Man 3 be worse if there was just a simple option, even if it only became available to you after you died 10 times on a level that said, hey buddy, would you like to take 5% less damage and see if you can get through this? How would that make the game worse if it was optional? Because then that, that design just goes out the door. You don't need it. You don't need to explore the game. You don't need to tr experiment. You don't need to try different uh, methods. Um, you just kind of give up or, or like pay somebody else to do it, basically. But for the player who doesn't want that, you say, no, thank you. I got this. I'm going to keep moving forward. That's the experience I want. But for the other people who maybe don't want that experience, they have that. I'm saying, how does it, if you have the choice... 
why is it a bad thing to have that choice? I, I say maybe Mega Man's not for you then. Like not every game is for every person. Um, if if they've given it an honest try and they're just not digging what's there for them, you know, there's tens of thousands of other games that are probably there for them. Okay. So Kelsey, last question. Oh, I wish you told me this earlier. I would have reordered my questions. I told you at the beginning exactly how much time you would have available. You did. So. You did. My stopwatch okay, hasn't yeah. been running. Let's go. Um, okay, so there's there's a lot of bad examples in the last five years, especially and, and even beyond that, of gr- corporate greed kind of taking advantage of these easy modes, especially in the mobile market. Uh, but also a couple of years ago, Assassin's Creed Odyssey came out. People love Assassin's Creed. It, this was like the the second one after they revamped it and they were on the rise again. They had an option to physically pay money to get double XP, making the game easier to progress through for people. How do you trust corporations to enlist easy modes into games uh, when they are trying to maximize profit from players? Uh, because it's uh, so so the question is how do I trust corporations um, I, I typically don't trust corporations and I try to keep that in mind when defending uh, brands that I like uh, so I know we're not supposed to make it personal but just just personally I like Microsoft but I try to remember this is a brand and they exist to make money so that's I'd always try to keep that uh, perspective Um, So talking about what they do as far as trying to make money, I understand that the snake is a snake and a bird is a bird and, you know, the elephant's the elephant. Like, I know that corporations are there to make money. So when the corporation offers something that says, hey, we've come up with this thing, it costs money and here is our proposed benefit. I don't begrudge them for doing that because that's what they're there to do. Uh, And again, it's optional. So the same way that if there was an option in a game for a difficulty, it's my choice. I can either choose that option or not choose it. And if they say, here's $5 for double XP, you can get ahead up on everybody. I can say to myself, well, I can pay that $5 or I can not pay that $5. And to me personally, it's not worth it for me. Um, if it was the only way to uh, you know, get that benefit, so if the benefit wasn't available through gameplay, yeah, it would probably bother me a little bit. Um, but uh, I don't think a corporation doing something in order to make money is all that surprising. And it's not something that would make me not trust a, a, a company uh, to, to make a game or to, to, to do things um, uh, the way that they are designed to do things. And I also, I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the relationship between uh, the creator, the development side, the publishing side, the marketing side, the advertising side, and the money that has to drive that process. Um, so, uh, at the same time, you kind of have to see the forest for the trees and understand, uh, that, uh, you know, everyone's got the role and everyone's got to make their money. Um, but to me, it's not about the distrust with the corporation that comes up with that, uh, uh, with that, um, uh, marketing scheme or, or, or sales item. Uh, it's more about, uh, is the game good? Can as many people enjoy it, uh, who want to enjoy it as possible? And, uh, 
Uh, you know, you just, I, I also, not to bring the parenting thing into it, but I see that as an opportunity to uh, educate my children because now that they're playing games where they say, daddy, daddy, I can you pay $5. Yeah, I can pay $5 and I can get this. And I say, listen, buddy, <laughs> let me explain to you what they're trying to do here. Or, or you know, when they're conditioned in something like a Minecraft to, uh, okay, we need to forge items. And it says, okay. It's just going to, you have to wait eight minutes or you can pay these three gems to finish it right now. He's like, I'm going to pay the three gems. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> those, are, those are all your gems. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, but it happens right away. So the instant gratification, uh, I can see it becoming uh, an issue that needs to, but I don't, I see that as a, um, uh, a lot of people I see uh, when something happens that they have to explain or teach their kids. I see a lot of parents complaining, oh, what am I supposed to tell my kids about this? Or how am I supposed to tell my kids? I see these as teaching opportunities, and these are awesome. These are what I live for. I can't wait to teach my kids. Uh, okay, buddy, Bill sit down. for microtransactions. Gonna... We just heard it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I live for those teaching opportunities where I can say, listen, this is what's going on here. Psychologically, you might not realize it. So, uh, but yeah, so that that's how I kind of see the um, uh, those marketing uh, uh you could call it a scheme, but that marketing plan, uh, you know, coming into play, I don't see it as related to, uh, you know, to, to games needing difficulty settings. It's, it's more of like a, uh, game development relationship with the, uh, you know, the publishing side, I think. Very good. Very good. So that ends the open debate portion. And now we're going to move into closing arguments. Just as I said before, uh, we'll go in the opposite order as the way we started. So, uh, Bill, this time you're going to be first, so I'm going to get ready to start. And again, you'll have five minutes for your closing argument. So ready and begin. So for my closing argument, I did not write anything like I did for my opening argument. So I'm just going to reread my opening argument. Uh, no, that would take five minutes. <laughs> so uh, I just want to reiterate some of my uh, main points. Um, we talked about accessibility. I want to make sure that there's a distinction between physical accessibility as far as disabilities. Uh, Kelsey mentioned colorblindness. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I meant to mention before, but I didn't mention the Microsoft Adaptive Controller, which is one of the greatest things that anyone's done in the gaming space in years, makes no money, probably loses money, and is just a phenomenal way for, for uh, the people in a situation where they can't physically or otherwise play a game gives them the opportunity to play that game. So I did just want to mention the accessibility on that front again. When I talk about when I've talked about accessibility during the conversation here, that's not the type of accessibility I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, everyone making your game accessible to not just as many people as possible, because then it just makes it sound like you want to sell more copies of your game, which you kind of do, but making your game available to as many players who want to play it as possible when a player sees your artistic vision and sees what you're trying to do and loves the artwork and has listened to the music and really connects with on on multiple levels on what they're seeing what they're hearing from others what they're feeling and then they get into that experience and they're crushed to find out i simply can't do this and they think okay if i just invest more time if I just uh, if I just put more into it now, while that can be true, like Kelsey has said, not every game is for every person. So 
you may end up in a situation where you spend that $60. That's just one game. So you might buy a $60 game. Oh, it's not for me. You buy another $60 game. Oh, it's not for me. There can't be that many games that are, nope, just not for you. Sorry. So I think there needs to be a way to make the game available to as many people who want to play it as possible. Because we've all had that feeling when we connect with a game and when you just fall in love with it. And I think that taking that away from people just because you say it's like saying you know if a if a high school graduate is kind of on the cusp with their grades and they say i really want to go to this school and then a, a counselor tells them well you know what buddy college isn't for anybody um i think that there there is a college for for everybody you know whether it's you know this one or that one but there needs to be a way to get someone the experience that they that they want to get without turning them away um, and, uh, I had one other thing that was on the tip of my tongue that I might've lost, but it's okay. Uh, the, um, hang on, I think I had another note right here. Duh, 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 duh. Sorry, it's a long document. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Where does Sally? All right. I apologize, but I, I brain farted and I lost it. So that's probably a great way to, to close, uh, my, uh, closing argument. But, uh, but yeah, so in closing, I think that, uh, the main, the main point is, uh, inclusion of the people who want to play your game and that exclusion is bad. And the addition of those additional settings do not hurt the experience for the other people playing the game on the harder difficulty. Thank you for your time. Excellent. Well, thanks for, uh, again, uh, abiding by the clock. Very good. So Kelsey. I just just made it. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. You don't hear the you don't hear the music to walk you off. Oh so yeah, good. that's no uh, no Easter egg music this time. <laughs> well, we still have Kelsey here, so we'll see. Uh, so uh, Kelsey, your your five minute closing begins now. Go along. So I also think accessibility is a good thing. I want people of all backgrounds, experience, and abilities to be able to play games if they should want to. Rather than having every game cater to every person, though, I'd find it far more beneficial and realistic to have a high variety of game styles that could potentially appeal to every individual player. Game developers need the freedom to create the game that they want to create and not have to worry about appealing to every player if we want to experience true masterpieces, which may occasionally include some difficulty options, but many times will not. Gaming is a safe space it's okay to die there and to learn from that experience. Bill's very worried about respecting the player's time, but I didn't once hear him respect the player's intelligence, which I think is just as important. So I'm just gonna leave you with two quotes from some people you may have heard of. This first one is from Miyamoto. He says, one of the issues with action games is how to make something that can be enjoyed by all skill levels from beginners to more advanced players. One way is to add an easy mode, but I think the best method is when the player can adjust the difficulty himself when playing. That's him speaking about his design philosophy when making Super Mario World, which many argue is one of the greatest and most influential games of all time. Currently on IGN's 100 best 100 games of all time, it's their number one game at the moment, and they revise the list yearly. And the last quotes I want to leave you with is from someone that I think uh, Chris here is familiar with. Uh, his name is Miyazaki. He's the president of From Software, and these are his five rules for good game design. Rule number one is any player can clear any obstacle simply by learning from mistakes and paying close attention. Number two, 
The reason for failure must always be clear and understandable. Number three, every problem must have multiple solutions so that the player can tackle it in whichever way they want. Number four, the game's controls can never be a factor from which difficulty is derived. And lastly, there must be the possibility for miracles to happen, those magical moments that spread stories outside of the confines of the game world. Bill wants to take away your miracles. Can't let that happen. Please vote against all games having a difficulty setting. Thank you, and Bloodborne for life. Wonderful. So I'm going to wrap this up, and uh, and then we won't be quite done, but um, this will be the end of our first game debate. And um, what I want to do now is talk to you a little bit about what I need from you, the listener. So you've heard the debate. You've heard the sides. And I will I will tell you to take it easy on Kelsey and Bill because <laughs> they were for, they were forced to choose one side and they their objective is to try to influence you and have a good argument. This does not necessarily mean that every word that came out of their mouth is their deepest feeling, but I'm going to imagine some of that is a part of them. So again, um, this is a debate. It's not Bill and Kelsey being buddies and talking about what they love, which is a lot. Um, so I want you to keep that in mind as you vote. So as we talk about voting again, I want to first emphasize how I would like you to think about this. And that is, again, on the strength of the arguments themselves, not voting on how you feel about the situation, whether games should or should not all have difficulty settings, but more of who in this discussion had the most persuasive argument. And, and so keep that in mind. So how are we going to do the, the, the voting? Well, um, after the show comes out, I'm going to make a, uh, a poll or, or whatnot available on each of the major platforms that we use. So uh, that'll be Twitter. Um, I believe I can do it on Facebook. I'll have to check. And then on RF Generation. So the show thread will also have a poll. And I will really ask Nick. you or implore you as listeners, we have to know what who you think did the best job. So that next episode, we can say, hey, here's our winner. We can crown somebody for the first debate, which I'm going to bet is probably not going to be our last debate. So please take the time to vote. Look for the post on Twitter. I'll try to leave the poll open for uh, maybe as long as I can. So that way we can get some decent numbers out of it. I, I just love feedback on the whole thing too, beyond just voting in the poll. Please, if you have any tweaks that we could do to make it better, things you like, things you didn't like, um, future topic, debate ideas, that kind of stuff. Um, love to hear some feedback on this episode, particularly. Yeah, I agree. This is a new format for us. So if you love this and you want to hear more, tell us so that we know and we can work on more of these in the future. It's not chump change. I'm going to tell you that Bill and Kelsey spent significant time coming up with their arguments and writing this stuff down. So it's not something they're just rattling off the top of their head. But if it's something that you like, I think we could we could do more of this. Uh, if it's something you don't like, I, I think Bill and Kelsey would also not mind their time. So uh, that's good. Let us know either way. Um, how, sure. how are you feeling now that it's over, Bill? I know we were both a little nervous going into yeah, it. Yeah, take a big take a big exhale I was, and tell I us. I was so nervous before the episode started. And then we got on the call and I just kind of saw you guys and we're laughing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fine. And then we were just chatting, you know, like our news items. And then it was like, okay, it's time. I was like, okay. like And I, I kind of came back like a little bit. 
and then kind of like uh, uh, get through uh, the openings a little bit. And then it just started kind of ping-ponging back and forth. And then so it started to feel uh, like more like a conversation. And as a good moderator, you reminded us that why we're here and what we're doing. So we kind of refocused on, okay, this is the direction we're taking. So, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that the nerves played as much of a factor as I was kind of afraid they would, but I definitely still felt it kind of, kind of early on and like maybe midway through, but, uh, but yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you talk about as an idea and they say, could we do this? Yeah, yeah, we could probably do this. And then it's, it's becomes real. And you're like, oh, I got to write a thing. That is <laughs> really long and i'm like out of breath like re you know so it's uh yeah it's definitely and i i was never in any kind of you know debate club in high school or anything like no, that um and and i've seen uh i've seen kelsey uh on uh, uh what would you call it public access um i think it was uh, just on the local website i don't think it was even aired on like uh, TV yeah. or anything but yeah kelsey um not to go into too much detail but kelsey ha uh, spoke in front of his local government um on an issue concerning uh his uh, store a uh, number of number of years ago actually by this point it's like six or and, seven uh, years ago now yeah yeah and uh, i remember just watching him and kind of being in awe <laughs> of how prepared he was how well spoken he was how calm he was I find it difficult even in, in prepared speaking to not kind of like get a little flustered and get out of breath. Uh, just want to have to speak, uh, you know, uh, kind of like in a prepared kind of way. Um, and what made it even worse was the person that Kelsey was not debating with or arguing with, but the person on the opposite end of this discussion, zero preparation like deer in headlights every time he would say something she was like oh well, well i don't i don't have those figures in front of me it was just <laughs> it was an obvious win uh for kelsey and uh like no I, one I don't feel like that happened tonight i like you said it was <laughs> a real good conversation and i appreciate yeah, all the, the nice things you just said that during i felt i felt fairly comfortable during most of the debate because it's you guys and having the opening mm -hmm. banter ahead of time i think helped ease the nerves a bit but during that closing statement, for some reason, I could just feel my heart going like yeah. wild. And as soon as I finished, it was just beating like crazy. Yeah, they're they're like for like midway through the opening, and it's weird because like your heart starts going. You're like, why is my heart going? I'm reading a thing that I wrote, and it's not a big <laughs> deal. But yeah, it's just maybe it's the format or just like the familiarity with it. But yeah, it's uh, it was it's it's an experience, you know. So uh, but yeah, I I welcome the feedback. Uh, like the guy said, um good bad uh you know or even like tweaks uh i liked it but could you do this i liked it could you not do this you know just let me know yeah and i think personally you know being the moderator and sitting back and watching and listening to this you both did a great job i think you were probably putting yourself under a little too much stress i think think you did a great job and i will say that watching the timing i know you guys were kind of worried about that um especially the closing you guys didn't come close so um you know the opening yeah, but you, neither one of you hit your time limit, so you did a good job with that. And, um, you know, just to let our listeners know, when we were setting this out, I asked both of them, I said, hey, how, how strict do you want me to be yeah. uh, with this time? And Bill's like, uh, and Kelsey's like, yeah. ah. <laughs> We are always over our estimate ever. Like, this is one of our shorter episodes, and I, I'm pretty pleased with how it went. Um, yeah. So thanks for keeping us on track. Yep. And, so, and uh, for, for me, it was more about not wanting to be, like, because – 
part of the re and I know I do this and people need to call me out on it more. I know I interrupt people because my brain just gets excited and I, I think of a thing I want to say and I can't stop it. And I hear myself doing it. And as I'm talking, I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, stop <laughs> like you did it. And, I, you know, I, I just can't help it. And it's it's very nice when people tell me like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, like it's not a big deal because I feel bad about it. So for me, when I speak, one of the things that like I'm afraid of is like having like a timer on the other end of it. You know what I mean? Because then I feel the way people must feel talking to me where they feel <laughs> like if I don't get this out, he's just going to jump at me, you know, so. I may be overanalyzing, but that's kind of my thoughts behind, no, I don't want a timer because it's just going to give me anxiety. <laughs> well, I think you both did fine. And so um, I congratulate you both. I think you both did an excellent job in, in arguing for your position. And I think our li our listeners will agree. So um, good. Well, do you guys have anything else to say about this before we start to wrap things up? No, it was I, fun I, now that it's over. Like, yeah, it was yeah. it was cool. I appreciate the uh, the banter. Um, there was there was some good conversation back and forth. Uh, and but you're right, Chris. Some of it was some of it was coming from me, and other parts of it were arguing a point. And uh, the Absolutely. the one the one parallel that I that I drew from one of my favorite TV shows, West Wing, is one where Rob Lowe's character, Sam Seaborn. Uh, is given a position to debate and he debates it wholeheartedly with like literally with his whole heart against this woman who he's interested in. Um, but he's doing it and she's getting really heated at him. And then at the end of it, uh, her boss, his, uh, uh, sorry, his boss, her dad tells him, yeah, I told him to take that debate topic with you just to have fun with you. And she's like, he was just taking a topic. He's like, yeah, he doesn't feel that way. He like feels the opposite, you know, but like, that's what you do in a debate. Like you, you grab the topic and you hundred percent go for it. It's, it's a, and it's, it's a different, it's, it's a different sensation. I don't know if that's a way to put it. Arguing for something that you have to think about the point before your beliefs first. Uh, it's interesting or the argument rather before your beliefs. Yeah. I've never seen West Wing, but I, I couldn't agree more with the, everything you just mm -hmm. said. Very good. All right. Well, everybody, that's um, that's our show for today. Again, um, I really appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. Uh, I think we've done a great job, and I think you'll enjoy it. Again, do not forget, take the poll. Let us know how we did. Give us the feedback. We'd appreciate it. So, um, as usual, you can find us uh, a couple different places. In terms of the show, uh, Twitter, uh, at CollectorCast. We're on Facebook. Uh, the show is on um YouTube. Hopefully we'll have it up there on YouTube. We're going to have, uh, you go to collectorcast.com to find the show. All the major streaming platforms again for SoundCloud. If I can figure out how to get the show over SoundCloud mm -hmm. at some point, I'll do that. I think we're pretty much everywhere else. Um, gentlemen, if, if folks want to communicate with you individually, how can they find you? I just want to also mention, uh, I listen on Spotify. I'm very happy that we're available there. Um, yeah. On Twitter, I'm at Bill McGee. That's B-I-L-M-C-G-E-E. -E. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at these days is just on the twits. So, uh, I'll be looking out for that poll. To, are we allowed to, to, uh, cast a vote in the poll? <laughs> Presidential candidates are allowed to vote for themselves. Why can't you? Hey, <laughs> so, so we, I need to come up with some sort of campaign slo slogan, like, like vote in the poll, but don't vote for the poll. Nick. Uh... <laughs> 
That's a bumper sticker right there. <laughs> Speaking of Polnick, Kelsey, where can we find you on the uh, internet? Just basically on Twitter as well. Uh, Kelsey Polnick, K-E-L-S-Y-P-O-L-N-I-K. Very good. And do you have any writings lately that people should check out? Not uh, recently, but I'm going to be having one coming up soon for Iron Man VR, which I am incredibly excited about. Uh, I played the demo a little bit, and it's nice. good. So I'm hoping the game, you know, the, the the movement and stuff feels great in the demo, but it's pretty shallow. So I'm hoping there's some some cool story stuff in the in the main game when it gets out here. Very good. Can you tell us where who you're writing that for, or will that you just tell uh, us that over Twitter? No, it's for VG Charts with a Z on the end because it's cool. Uh, dot com. Very good. All right, and, and uh, you know, usually I'm at CollectorCast. I'm I'm usually the one that's there. So if you need to reach me, you can get me there. That's where you're going to find the polls and things as well, or on RFGeneration.com. So just remember RFGeneration.com, totally free site. You can log your your game collection there. You can join our forums. You can vote in the poll if you prefer on the forums. Uh, you can use the collection tracking tool. It's fantastic. We have the two playthrough groups that do a monthly playthrough. So that's the RF Generation Playcast and the uh, shoot the core cast guys do a shoot shoot 'em up or shmup uh, game each month. So make sure you come in and check everything out over rfgeneration.com, and we will talk to you guys soon.